Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here. I'd like to welcome all of those at our South Campus. We'd like to welcome those at our Dream Center experience. And it's a great day uh, to be here at the Creek, and I am so honored that you are with us today. You know, I love to start with something funny. Did you hear about the, uh, the five-year-old Sunday school class? And the teacher said, does anybody know where God lives? She looked around the class, and little five-year-old Johnny put his hand up and said, I know. She said, where? He said, he lives in our bathroom. She said, now, Johnny, what do you mean by that? She says, yeah, he lives in our bathroom because every morning when my mother goes to put on her makeup, Shortly after that, my dad knocks on the door and says, Good Lord, how long are you going to be in there? <laughs> well, once again, we're glad that you're here because this is one of those historic days in the life of our church. It is a milestone moment as we launch our Grovetown campus today. Uh, I'll tell you, if you would have told me maybe nine months ago that we would be launching a campus in Grovetown, I would say, no way, we're just not ready for that. I mean, this campus was a surprise to us, but it was not a surprise to God. And so that is so interesting. You know, so many times we think uh, in your life and in my life, we think, man, man, I never saw that coming. But God has been working behind the scenes in your life to move you where he wants you to be, to put you in the place of his favor and the place of his blessing. And so some of you are here today because God has orchestrated your footsteps for you to be here. And so just as God is blessing our congregation, God is blessing you. So just start looking for that. I believe this is going to be uh, really the next step of a long-lasting ministry in the Grovetown community and in our community at large. And so I just want to thank all of you who have uh, prayed about this. You've served, and you are serving. You've given, and you are giving. I'll tell you, we couldn't do it without all of you. And so I want to say thank you so much. Well, today we're starting a brand-new three-week series. It's simple. Everyone's welcome. Nobody's perfect, and anything is possible. This series is to help you and I be reminded of God's heart for us and God's heart for his church. In fact, I believe as we think about this series and we think about the scriptures today, that it really says something about the heart of Stevens Creek Church. And you can really summarize that in three statements. First of all, Stevens Creek Church exists to help you take your next step towards God. We talk about it a lot around here, next steps. Well, that's why we exist. We want to help you take your next step toward God. We're all on a spiritual journey. Now, some of you are here and you're investigating Christianity. You know, you're just trying to figure out all of this God and Jesus and Christmas and Easter and all of that. And what I would say to you is just come back next week. Just take that step. Just come back next week. But there's others here that you've been in this journey for months or maybe even years. 
And that still speaks to us. It encourages us to take that step of discipleship, that that step of learning and growing and serving Christ and his church. And one good way to do that is to join a small group. And so if you've not uh, joined a small group yet, there's still time. You can uh, step out into the lobby uh, right after service, and and there'll be someone there that will help get you connected uh, to a small group. If you're in our Dream Center uh, experience, you can uh, go and talk to the leaders there, and they'll help you get connected into a small group. In 1987, in November uh, 1987, almost 35 years ago, Patty and I joined together with 24 people in a borrowed living room. And, and in those days, we just had this desire Uh, to remove any kind of barriers that keep people from coming to Christ and his church. And I'll never forget, we we just shared our heart. And in those days, and even today, we share and we shared a common hope that lost people could be found and broken people could be healed. That's at the heart of this congregation. We shared and today we continue to share This hope that lost people, lost people could be found and broken people could be healed. I'll tell you, there are hundreds of stories in our church of how people's lives have been changed by the grace and the mercy of the Lord. I want to share one with you. It's the story of Carl McGinnis. Listen to Carl's story today. This is my story. I grew up in the church. Uh, My mom took us three times a week to see the preacher preach, and there was no getting out of it. When I was 19, I left the church, and I wandered for a couple decades. I hurt myself and a lot of other people. My girlfriend at the time invited me to attend the Stevens Creek Christmas Eve service in 2018, and so that was the first experience I had here at the Creek. So as a new person coming to Stevens Creek Church, I felt intentionally welcomed. Coming through those double doors and hearing this incredible voice, seeing a wonderful melody, and then seeing three legit ballerinas twirling on stage, I I was not prepared for that kind of experience at church. Uh, One of the ushers grabbed us and said, you know, I got some seats saved just for you. And he took us directly to the front row where as at the time a non-believer, I felt kind of uncomfortable. Um, But looking around, seeing all the smiles on people's faces, everyone singing along as Todd led the team through this incredible performance. And then Marty got up on stage and preached, uh, it was Be Not Afraid. And I mean, growing up in the church, I had sat through a lot of Christmas services, but I was afraid often. And I felt like fear was a big part of my relationship with God up until that point. And so hearing the, the, the Christmas story, really emphasizing the message of hope, of God telling the world, you don't have to be afraid anymore. I've provided a way. And so that was my first experience at the creek. I didn't immediately come back. I mean, I was not a believer at the time, 
Uh, it was several months later when I had my come to Jesus moment where I started coming more regularly. I really bottomed out and I prayed a prayer and God showed up and I couldn't deny it. Um, we started coming every week at that point and Marty was preaching, um, you asked for it. And hearing a pastor get on stage with decades of experience and deep biblical understanding and be willing to grapple with issues like infidelity, homosexuality, suicide, and other challenging issues that are really difficult in a way that wasn't starkly condemning, but acknowledged like we're all messy and hurting and we need Jesus was new to me. Before coming to Jesus, I was a big, ugly, shameful mess. And since coming to Jesus, I'm still a, a, a big mess a lot of the time, but the shame no longer characterizes my relationship with God or my church. I'm surrounded by people who, who want me to be here. Coming to Stevens Creek Church, you're going to have an experience that you want to have, right? You're gonna have great worship. You're gonna have friendships and relationships that you develop that bring you here into fellowship with the church. But you're also gonna have an experience that you need to have. And that's the one with Jesus. That's Carl's story. And one thing that we see in that story is that Stevens Creek Church is a place where everyone's welcome. It doesn't matter where you are in your journey, like I said, but you are welcome here. I grew up in a church that said everybody was welcome, but everybody was welcome in my home church as long as you looked like us and as long as you talked like us and as long as you voted like us and that you believed like us. If you did all of those things, then, then you were uh, welcome. And that greatly affected our ability to reach people in our small town. In fact, in the church that I grew up in, we went seven years when I was growing up, seven years and only had one baptism. Seven years. Today, our, our preschool class is larger than my home church. And it's because there were walls up around saying you're welcome only if. And it's our goal here is to remove those walls, to remove those barriers, to look in the eyes of people and say you matter to God and you matter to us. And so we as people who are on this journey we always need to be open to the people that God brings our way. With that, with that in mind, I want to open up one of the parables of Jesus as we look at Luke chapter 14, and we read the story about the great banquet. Now, the Bible is divided into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. We're going to looking at the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke. So it's the third book of the New Testament, just to, to keep you all along. So we start reading in verse 16. It says, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant out to tell those who have been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. 
But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field, and I need to go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and, and I'm on my way to try them out. Can you please excuse me? Now, the next one said, I just got married. Can you please uh, excuse me? Verse 21, then the servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry. He became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant says, what you have ordered has been done and there is still room. Then the master told his servant, I want you to go out into the roads and into the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. If you want to fully understand uh, this passage of Scripture, you have to look at the customs of the day. You've got to try to understand as Jesus is giving this parable to his disciples and to his listeners that day, you need to go back and, and see what was going on in their minds. Because in those days, if you are going to have a big banquet, you would send out two invitations. You know, while the, <clears throat> the first invitation went out, it was one of those nonspecific invitations. You, you receive that, the invited guest, and um, there's going to be an, uh, a party, there's going to be a great banquet. But it wouldn't give a, a date um, or a time for that. And it's kind of like today that you get the card in the mail for the save the date. And, um, and it was that kind. And the reason it would be like that in those days, uh, they did this because planning was so unpredictable. The host didn't have the luxury of, of running down to the grocery store and picking up items. They maybe would have to wait for those items to be delivered. Or maybe they would have to wait for the cow that they owned to be fattened up so that they could slaughter the cow to have some meat. And so they would send out this first invitation without a specific day or time stipulated. And the, ga the guests would anxiously wait for that second invitation. That second invitation that said the feast is ready. Come on. Come on. Let's, let's party. So those invited never knew quite when the second message would eventually come out, would finally be delivered, but they were prepared to go as soon as they received the word. Now, this banquet that Jesus is talking about was a very big deal. In fact, the scripture says it was a great banquet. It's a big time feast. They didn't have plastic plated deli trays they didn't have uh, pre-made uh, appetizers. Uh, they didn't have anything like that. Uh, they didn't have rubbery chicken a la king uh, or dry sheet cakes. It was a meal that was truly fit for royalty. In those days, people knew how to throw a party. You know, in our days, if you get invited to a banquet, you start watching your, your watch, and you said, okay, we we're going to get there at 7, and, and we're going to be out by 9, okay? We're going to get there at 7, we're going to be out by 9, and that'll be good. 
But in those days, people came and they stayed. They came early and they stayed late until all of the food was gone, until all of their energy was run out. Banquets were huge celebrations. It was an event that people looked forward to attending. That is, most people. As this story goes, there were several people who excused themselves from this party. Now, at times, all of us, all of us have to excuse ourselves some, some type of an event or a, parley, or a party. I mean, life happens, doesn't it? Life happens, so we can't go. We, some, our schedules change for one reason or another. We're forced to give an excuse. Now, as a pastor, I am frequently on the receiving end of somebody's excuse. I, it, it's just that way. Um, they want to explain to me why, uh, why, they haven't see, why I haven't seen them in church. You know, and so it's kind of interesting. A few months ago, I was in uh, a restaurant, and I, as I was going in, there's a creaker that was walking out, and I hadn't seen this creaker in a while. I just say, hey, how you doing? And immediately, this person started confessing. Started confessing to me in the, at the door of the restaurant as I am walking in, hey, pastor, I am coming back to church since the church is now open. Now, when he told me that, it had been 18 months since we reopened. 18 months since we reopened. And so uh, just, you know, I'm on the, let's just all agree, okay? After, I'm going to give you some grace here. After Easter, nobody can use the pandemic as an excuse for not going to church. You agree with that? Okay. Some of you do. Okay. But, let, you know, we use any type of excuse we can. And so I laugh. One of the funniest things, I'll never forget, uh, when we first started the church, you know, um, this guy came up to me and I said, I missed you in church. He said, well, you know, Pastor said, uh, I hated I had to miss church. I had to go get my oil changed. And I'm thinking, of all the excuses I've ever heard, have you not met Jiffy Lube yet? I mean, just 10 minutes. You can get your oil changed. But anyway, so a lot of times I'm on the receiving end of those, um, those excuses We've dropped down to verse 18. But they all began to make excuses. The first one said, I just bought a field, and I've got to go see it. Now, on the surface, some of these excuses seem very logical, at least somewhat logical. But I've just bought a field, and I need to go see it. Now, how many people buy land, which is a major purchase, how many of you would go buy land sight unseen? Hmm. I think very few people would buy land sight unseen. So, okay. The next guy comes up and says, you know, I just bought five yoke of oxen and I've got to try them out. Really? In, in those days, buying five yoke of oxen would be like uh, you going out and buying five John Deere tractors. If you're going to buy five John Deere tractors... You're going to go and kick the tires. You're going to go and test drive those tractors. 
Don't you think if he's got like five yoke of oxen that he's going to test drive those oxen just to see if they have the strength and the ability to do the work that needs to be done? Now, the final excuse seems a lot more logical. He said, you know, I just got married and I can't come. That makes the most sense of any of the excuses in my book. But the problem with that excuse is he's not even out of the gate yet, and he's henpecked. And, and, and so, you know, that's the challenge with that one. Well, Luke 21, I can say certain things because Patty won't be until the next service. Verse 21, the, the servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servants, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Now, in this parable, Jesus is teaching that God has a heart for hurting people. He's talking about these groups of people, the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. And when I look at that, I mean, those are very distinctive groups of people. But here's what I've learned through faith is that God always uh, has a bigger vision than we have. And God's heart is broader than we can imagine. Could it be? That he says when he's talking about the poor, that he's not only talking about the under-resourced, but it could, could it be that he's talking about the poor in spirit? Those individuals who struggle with depression. Those individuals who struggle, struggle with discouragement. He said, I want you to bring those people here. I've got a place for those people who are broken, those people that are hurting. What about the crippled? We think about the crippled today, and we, we look at it, somebody who is crippled as a person who cannot walk. But could it be that Jesus is referring to those people, but he has a broader view of that? What about those people who have been crippled by life? You've been crippled by maybe a financial reversal. Maybe you've been crippled by a relationship. Maybe you've been crippled by a divorce. Maybe you've been crippled by an addiction. He said, I want you to go get those people and bring them in. Maybe you've been crippled because you've lost someone that is close to you. Now, let me say this. If you're going through grief, you don't have to go through it alone. Join a small group. We have small groups that will help, and we even have specific small groups like Grief Share that will help walk you through that, that season that you're in. Verse 21, go out quickly. Bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. What about the blind? We see those people who are blind as people who are sight impaired. But could it also include those people who are spiritually blind? There's so many people who have been blinded by the world. They've been blinded by the systems around us, and they cannot see God's love. What about the lame? I look at the lame as people who have never been given a chance to walk. 
for whatever reason, they simply just can't get off their feet, and they need some help. They need somebody to offer a hand and pull them up. And maybe that's what some of you feel like today. That you feel like, yes, I can get ahead. I just need somebody to bring some encouragement. I need somebody to help me along the way. Verse 22 said, Sir, the servant said, What you have ordered has already been done, but there's still room. And that clearly tells me that God is bigger than we think. He said, There's room. God's bigger than you think. His plans are bigger. There's more. There's still room. Then the master said to his servant, go out into the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. The story teaches us about the heart of God. He loves people who have lost their way. He loves people who are broken. This story is about redemption This story is about restoration, and this story is also about responsibility. The master told his servants to go. We, as believers in Jesus Christ, as members of his church, we are servants. We're disciples. We are servants of the Lord. And so we are his servants, and we have this responsibility to make them come in. We often take this lightly because we live in a culture of tolerance. And so we have this this viewpoint that uh, this tolerant viewpoint that you believe what you want to believe, this is America and so forth, and it almost lends itself to the point where it doesn't matter to me if you don't follow Christ, it doesn't matter to me if you go into eternity without him. Because we're so afraid that we're going to offend somebody. You know, you can't watch a good movie without telling 10 of your friends how good that movie was. You can't go to a, a nice restaurant and have a positive experience without telling a number of people how good the food is. Yet, how often... Do you share the story about how God has been a blessing to you and how God has blessed your life? Don't be timid. Don't be timid. Just tell your story. Tell your friends how you felt before you came to Christ and tell your friends how it feels now for you to be forgiven. See, here's the point. Your friends are not looking for a lesson in theology. Your friends are looking for hope. And when you talk to them, I just want you to to look at them and look into the eyes of somebody that matters. Just tell your story. Tell them how Jesus has changed your life. The Bible says, make them come in. Basically, we need to take the initiative. But here's the problem with that. Here's the problem with that is that we really like empty seats. We love empty seats. We like empty seats in a movie theater. We, as we get on an airplane, we're praying that there's an empty seat beside us as we sit in coach. 
And then we come to church. And we, we like empty seats. But an empty seat in church is a serious matter. Because every empty seat represents somebody that's missing. Every empty seat represents a life that God can't touch in that service. Every empty seat represents a person whose burdens can't be lifted, whose heart cannot be mended in that service. At Stevens Creek Church, we pray that one day this place will be filled with every seat taken. And today, we're opening up nearly 400 brand new seats in Grovetown. Amen. We're opening up 400 brand new seats. And if you haven't seen the Grovetown campus, I encourage you to check it out. It's beautiful, and, and you are making that happen. But we pray that these empty seats will be filled with people who are currently far from God, people who don't know that God loves them and God has a plan for their lives, people who are trying to navigate this life and try to, uh, as they navigate this life without the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. These people that we're talking about are not strangers. No, they're our friends. I'm not asking you to get, stand on the street corner with, with a sign and um, uh, trying to get people to come to Christ with your sign. And that may be effective in somebody's world, but in our world, I am simply asking you to be nice to people. I am simply asking you to be kind to someone. I'm simply asking you to allow that relationship to develop and that friendship to develop and to believe that the Holy Spirit's going to get involved in your conversation and one day they're going to ask you. And you're going to have this opportunity to tell your story. Look, they're not concerned about your... If you have all the I's dotted and the T's crossed, they're concerned because their life is falling apart and they need hope. And I hear what some of you are saying. Marty, aren't you just trying to build a big church? Isn't our church big enough? That's a valid question for people to ask. Valid question for people to ask that do not understand the scriptures and the heart of God. The point is, we don't grow for our benefit. We grow because everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs the Lord. So the question is not, how big should we grow? The question is, should anybody be left behind? Should anybody be left behind? Because a church that doesn't want to grow, a church that doesn't want to reach the lost and the broken, is basically looking at people and saying, it's okay with us if you go to hell. 
We must understand that people matter to God. And if they matter to God, then they ought to matter to us. You matter. And I realize some of you who have walked in this door, um, through these doors today, and, and maybe you don't feel like you matter. Maybe this week has been one of those weeks where your life has been spinning out of control and you just showed up today because you didn't know where else to go. I want you to hear me today that God loves you. That God does have a plan for your life. Probably the most famous verse in all of the Bible is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The message of the great banquet is that God loves you and he has room at his table for you. For God so loved the world. If you would take the, uh, look at that scripture, John three sixteen, and take the two words, the world, out of that and replace those two words with your name. God so loved, then your name. God so loved Sam, and God so loved Stephen, and God so loved Haley, and God so loved Jennifer, and God so loved Hudson. Put your name in that, for God so loved you. This is a, a personal message for you that God loves you. And I realize you hear this and you look at your life and you feel like you're hopeless and you think that you're unworthy and you think maybe you're too old or maybe some of you think that you're too young or maybe you think you're too bad or maybe you think you're, you're too good or maybe you think you don't even need God, but you do. You need him. And it doesn't matter where you've come from. What matters is where you're going. In a few minutes, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to pray over you. And I'm going to lead you to uh, encourage you to ask Jesus to be the leader and the Lord of your life. Because you see, he is looking at all of us. The poor, the crippled the blind, the lame. Whatever condition we find, her, he is looking to us and says, come, come, you're welcome here. Come, I have a place for you. And today is your day. Today is your day to step, to take that step of faith. Today is your day to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and to be the Lord of your life. I'm speaking to those in our Dream Center experience. I'm speaking to you in our South Campus. I'm speaking to those right here on Stevens Creek Road. Today is your day. And there is a, a, a temptation here to make an excuse. Oh, I'm, I'm too young for this, or I'm too old, I've got a lot of things I wanna do, or I'm too old, I've just done too, put away the excuses. 
and just simply say, Jesus, I need help. Some of the most powerful prayers that you will ever pray will be simple two-word prayers. God, help me. God, save me. God, forgive me. I mean, the list can go on. Guide me. And in this moment, in this room, where we sense God's movement and God's spirit, I want you to come to him with a simple prayer that says, God, I need you. So what is it that you need? Whatever you need, God is here to supply. And over the next few minutes, we're going to just pause and we're going to pray. And we're going to ask God to move in our hearts and in our families and to change us. And specifically, I want to speak to those that have never made Jesus the Lord of your life. I want to encourage you once again, today's your day. In a few minutes, I'm going to lead you in that prayer. I want you to be engaged in that prayer because this is important. This is important. So are you ready? Let's bow our heads. Just so I know in this room, South Campus, Dream Center, how many of you would raise your hand and say, Marty, you're talking to me. I want to be saved today. How many people in this room today? Yes. Still others. Anybody else? Yes. I want to be saved. Today is my day. Anybody else? Okay. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to pray for those in the South Campus, Dream Center. In the name of Jesus, I bring this congregation to you. God, I pray for those that are watching online. And specifically, I pray for those that have never made a decision to follow Jesus. God, let your presence and let your spirit be so strong in this moment as they pray these words. If you'd like to be saved, pray this. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Say that. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Say this. Say, and forgive me of my sins. I want you to pray this. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person you want me to be. Pray this. Say, Jesus, save me. I give you my life. I give you my past. I trust you with my future. I'm yours. Now today, I receive what you have for me. Now, Father, as they pray those prayers, I ask God that you would allow the miracle of salvation, the miracle of salvation to cover us. I not only pray for those, but I pray for those who are rededicating their lives. I pray for those that have come into these auditoriums with burdens, with difficulties. God, I ask that you would lighten their load. I ask, God, that you'd give them strength. I ask, God, that you'd give them hope. And let this be a, a, a historic day, not only for this congregation, but for every individual in it. So today, Father, we pray with boldness and confidence. And today we receive, say that, God, I receive what you have for me. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you today. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, 
please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.